Our incredible guest on the podcast this week is Jessica McElveen. She's the CEO and founder of the Happy Home Movement. Jess specializes in epigenics in children. So what epigenics are is how our behaviors and our environment can cause changes that affect the way our genes work. Jess focuses on this primarily within children. So what she really does is to help take the overwhelm out of raising children by understanding their nervous systems and to help change behaviors of all kinds, even the most difficult ones. Jess talks us through epigenics and how they are leading the way in speaking to the nervous system of our kids and helping transform relationships of every kind. Sometimes it's not about more, but about less. So let's jump into it. Welcome to Bloom Into Wellness, the podcast. I'm Erina Jones. Your journey into wellness starts right here. We can really grow and change beyond our wildest dreams and we have the tools here at Bloom to help you do just this. Happy listening. Welcome back to the Bloom Women podcast. I am so excited today because we are with Jessica McElveen, who is the CEO of the Happy Home Movement. How are you today, Jess? Yeah, I'm so good. I'm so good, Erin. How are you? I'm really good. Excited to have you on and excited to find out about what you do. I have a quick thing here of what you you do specializing in epigenics and behavioral in, inside the home. So what Jess really does is really help to take the overwhelm out of raising children. And I'd love to know, Jess, because I am absolutely mortified. It's There's so many expectations on the modern woman to be able to do it all. And so I'd just love to know a bit about what you do and how we can really bring that right at home today. Yeah, I I think, you know, we were talking before and I've just come, um, I've just, I'm on the back of a four-day event and one of the main philosophies that I have in the work that I do is bringing everything back to simplicity. So we, we tend to be absolutely flooded with the complexities of behavior, children, uh, relationships, marriage, business, employment. We're flooded with the complexities. We're also flooded with the expectations just as much. And when it comes to parenthood and and childhood and and the parents just trying to understand what their children's behaviours are about, what they mean, is is it serious, is it okay, is it normal, is it abnormal, we get caught in emotion. Uh, parents are very emotionally attached which is understandable but it's just not beneficial sometimes it can create some more confusion and more expectations and the the you know the feelings of failure and disappointment and worry and fear so I think for me Erin the key thing that I am really great at doing is bringing everything back to simple so children's minds and bodies are just not that complicated to figure out they're just not but we have we have these societal expectations at the moment that are fueled by norms and ideologies and perfectionism and achievements and that's not doing any of our families um a service it's doing a doing everybody a disservice and especially the children that are growing up with all of these expectations and worried parents 
Uh, I couldn't agree more. And as I said before, it, it is, you know, I'm getting to that point in my life where there is a lot of uh, expectation around when are the children coming and so on. And I guess it's it's so overwhelming to me because I think about how managing everything as it is and then how you would intersect that in. And I guess one of the main questions that we got, we ran an Instagram poll the other day was, what can I do because I feel like I'm screwing up my children? So if we can speak to that, I I guess everyone has that as an underlying thing as a mother, but it's just like, I know, I think a lot of mums are like, I know I could be doing more. Maybe I'm doing more in the wrong way. I'd love to know what, what you would suggest for that kind of mindset always coming back to, I feel like I'm just screwing up my kids. Yeah. So I think there's two things that I want to um, uh, mention here, two prongs. So one is that when in doubt, focus on connection. Honestly, if there's anything that I can say that will impact any behavior, any issue, any challenge, anything that you're seeing uh, in the home, in family dynamic, sibling dynamic, anything, anything, anything. When in doubt, focus on connection. Remove the tasks, remove the uh, the appointments, remove the uh, to-do list of an afternoon. Honestly, you do this, everything will alter. So when in doubt, focus on connection. Also, Uh, The second thing, and, you know, I speak a lot on this and a lot of the time we're pretty unsure around, you know, emotions and are my child's outbursts normal, the meltdowns, you know, that's when we see very visually when our child, when our children are in distress or they're upset and how frequent and how common is it? And it happens so much and they're angry and they're violent and they're aggressive or they're sad, you know, and these are often the, Uh, the evidence that parents are gathering that I'm doing a really bad job here. I'm doing a really poor job. And what I'll say to that is there's a lot of myths around meltdowns and emotions for children, a lot of myths. And we really need to be careful. We need to be careful about what ones we listen to and the ones we ignore. So for myself, I've come from a social worker background and I've been involved in many, many different meetings, multidisciplinary meetings, allied health, doctors, GPs, physicians, everything, you name it. Even myself, my own reports, you know, focus on self-regulation, focus on emotion regulation, focus, focus, focus. And this is actually, it's, we're raising a generation of children that cannot self-regulate because we are focusing on it so much. So what I would say to that is if you're, if you're worried about so much emotion in your children, first connect, second just allow it to be present. The more so that we can allow it to flow through and sit with the emotions that our children are showing us, the better off they're going to be long-term. So it's totally normal. It's not abnormal. um, And it will decrease in frequency when you don't fear them so much, when you don't avoid meltdown so much, when you allow the big emotions. So they're, they're the two things that I would probably suggest and and it's it's tricky to do when emotions in your children trigger certain things in yourself it's it's not a coincidence that you know when you see an upset child you know you're just as annoyed because you're like come on I don't have time for this or there's yelling and screaming as a parent I hear this time and time and time again and that's when you know when I get to work with my clients we dive a little deeper into why but emotions are okay Children at four, five, and six do not need to be the self-regulation kings and queens. They don't have access to this part of the brain. It's okay. 
So allow them to feel the emotions as often as possible because that's how they learn to regulate. So they're the two, the two aspects that I would probably suggest and speak to with that. That's amazing. Absolutely. I think it's the number one thing that we see when we see a child having a tantrum or some sort, they just want it to stop. If we just start to allow it, you know, and focus again on that connection. And I know connection is an area that I, I, I work a lot in and I know that connecting and being vulnerable can sometimes feel um can sometimes be more dis, uh, difficult than um discipline so it's like the they're coming at the other end and they're crying or or expressing some sort of emotion that can be uncomfortable because we don't want our kids or the children around us to to see us in that vulnerable light but i guess if i've learned anything so far it's that it, it is okay to be real and it is okay to be vulnerable and connect with them on that level like this is hard but we will get through it together yeah absolutely and you know the disciplinary approach is just so old school and it just doesn't work you know I get parents coming to me they've read every book podcast you know how to discipline how to set boundaries right all of this stuff and it's so surface level yeah. it's surface level um, and that doesn't actually dig deep into what your children are experiencing in the moment. We're not meeting their needs if you're focusing on boundaries and discipline. You're simply missing the needs of the child. So that's very old school in nature. And now we're really moving to a realm of understanding children, working with children, parenting children, where, you know, for me, I'm always talking about parenting the nervous system system parenting the the biology you know the, the real essence of the child yeah. that's where they're reacting from so let's tap into those needs which will lead to so many more win-win scenarios than than the yelling matches in the home Oh, that's so fascinating. And, and we need this more than ever because at, at a time, you know, we are one of the first generations who are, with the expectation has has risen to be the, the, the full-time parent or uh, most of the time parent and to also have a career. So at a time where we're tempted to resort back to the, the old coping mechanisms, the yelling, the smacking, all of those things, um, when when things do come up, you know, they do know how to press our buttons and really get into the, get into the core of that of, of our, our wounds of our of ourselves so I think with all of that expectation it's it's even more appropriate that we are taking that we are taking a different approach and not being too closed off because some people suggest that's the answer to just kind of close them off and let them live their lives but I'm really fascinated to know Jessica um, about epigenics so what are epigenics and how can they help our kids yeah, so it's a really exciting part of science and biology. So some of you listening, you may have heard of a man called Bruce Lipton. He's pretty much he's one of the you know the key the key names in epigenetics. And what we now know is that it's really this. So we've got genes, right? We've got DNA now. We're five percent genetic uh, hereditary genes, right? Our 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 genome, but we're actually ninety to ninety five percent epigenetics which is which is who we are which is how we respond to people our environment our personalities our what we are driven to achieve what we do with our behaviors because see what happens is in our body um you know we have all of these little cells talking to each other and it's it's our epigenetic structure right the genes the cells that are around our genomes so or around those five or ten percent it's it's those genes that are getting all of the information and then they express themselves so what i mean by that to give you an example is let's just say we've got a child and their epigenetic health type is is uh 
dominant in adrenaline, right? So it impacts what hormones are sensitive in our bodies and, and therefore our organ function and therefore our brain development, our psychology, our behaviors. So this little guy or gal is driven to meet the adrenaline needs of the body because it needs adrenaline to function. This is just one of six. So you can imagine then if this body requires adrenaline to feel good, to feel comfortable, to feel safe, which sounds bizarre to people, but we've got a little child who wants to move all the time, take risks, will show their frustration with more anger because we've got this adrenaline pumping in their body. And so we've got a lot of these parents who just think their children are chaotic when in actual fact, we're just not meeting their need for adrenaline, right? So We've got this, this world of epigenetics, which is how our environment is impacting our body. So you can imagine with that little guy or gal, if we've got a mum who, you know, she's driven by a completely different hormone, which is more safety related, okay, which is serotonin is more pleasure, it's safety, it's certainty. And they don't want to see their child taking risks. They set up a really safe environment they set up a really slow paced environment which is the opposite to what that child needs so they're just not getting their needs met and so we've got conflicting ideas we've got conflicting opinions we've got conflicting parenting needs and and styles and both are frustrated both are frustrated so it helps us understand what our body is driving our brain to achieve yeah. So just imagine our, our body is speaking to our brain and saying, go climb that tree because that means I'm going to get my adrenaline hit and I will feel good. Yeah. So this is all unconscious, all unconscious and all happening at a lightning speed rate. Yeah. So now we get to understand the deeper, the deeper reasons, you know, we're scratch, you know, we've, we've been too surface level for too long. So we're diving into the body. We're tapping into how our body communicates with our brain and vice versa. And, and then meeting the needs from there. And it, it includes, you know, what nutrition is required, how we learn the best. So schooling environments really benefit from this because our brains process information differently. But imagine if we could understand how that little brain processes the information and how that teacher needs to speak to that child or where's the clash. You know, all of the teachers have these views and maybe it's just not the right one for this child. Maybe the child is not the problem. Maybe they're not. Okay, nine times out of of 10, I'd say 10 out of 10, the children, not the problem. We're just not understanding what they're needing and children can't verbalize it. So this is taking the pressure off and we're getting out of, you know, the, the traditional approaches of the medical model, which is just, you know, slap a label on and get them into some therapies, which in my background and in my experience, I don't see many positive outcomes with this and that's why I left social work and and therapy and now we get to understand them in their environment and and what they're thriving in and what are their strengths and understanding their brain better and how should I communicate and so it's child focused which is what I love about this work 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm hearing you very much. So it's speaking to that, speaking to that. It was at the nervous system. That's right. There's all of this stuff in the way, all of the clutter, all of the noise. But if we can just speak directly to that and what are the needs in the moment. It's interesting. I recently, uh, I got a new puppy as well to, to join the family. And uh, the, at the puppy school, the man said to me, it's more about um, helping to parent the the owner so it's more about um you know the pup, pu puppies are puppy like in nature you know they're, they're going to do things that are puppy like in nature but how can you teach and i think we're, we're given a really good opportunity here we can do to actually speak to that center point instead of all of this surface stuff which it's hard in in an environment in a society that is really like why aren't you at that appointment what this time this time this time so i know that was was really beneficial for for me in my own life very chaotic very busy um it was more just being really mindful of around appointments being really mindful about the kinds of things that will come up that may push me to stress and that may also be too much for my nieces and nephews and and too much for the environment at that time rather than I'm a reformed people pleaser. So rather than saying yes to everything, taking these things into consideration, that actually might be too much for my child. As you said, they're all so different. And so what would your advice be to parents who ha have had enough and they don't feel like they can put anything extra in as extra tools to kind of help this? Like it's, it's, it's like, there's another layer. Everyone is, everyone in the community is giving you parenting advice. And this is it's another layer. Oh, now I need to talk to the, talk to the um, nervous system. Do you have any like easy, really applicable tips that, that mums can start on their, can start on their journey to, to start to speak to this part of them instead of the old, you know, smack on the bum discipline, get in your bedroom kind of model that, that we all come from. But um, we're learning that we do need to, um, we do need to pivot a bit in, in our styles if we want to raise those really um, well-grounded and self-regulated emotional emotionally regulated um children into adults yeah yeah so there's some there's some pretty simple ways uh they get huge results instantly so you know with my with my four-day events that i do i mean people are getting results overnight with oh. with a couple of the most simple techniques that you could possibly imagine so um you know if there's complete overwhelm the first thing that i would recommend is stripping everything back so whatever is not required whatever that whatever is present that you do not see providing some sort of beneficial result to you or your child delete it get it out so this could be appointments. So I've had many people that work with me and they, one of my suggestions is cancel everything. And then if you decide to reinstate it afterwards, do that fine. However, you know, appointments are, if they're just appointments for appointment sakes, they're not successful. So if your child hates going there, if you feel obligated to be amongst these people or events or obligations, then you're really putting you and your child into a, a failure situation. Everyone's going to fail. Yeah. So if only for short term, delete what's not required. If there's no positive outcome, get it out. You're not going to damage anyone. You're not going to set your child up for a horrible future. If anything, you're going to start winning in your home because you're less stressed. They want you to be happy. They want a happy home. They want to feel loved and connected to by you, not you worrying about everything else. So if anything, you're going to see larger results just from doing that. 
So that's one thing. And then a few things in the moment, you know, when the, when the home is just chaotic or uh, when you feel like uh, you're just not understanding what your child is trying to tell you, you just don't understand why your child is not listening to you. This is a very good one, very, very common one. Um, when you feel like there's so much conflict in the home, there's so many arguments, there's so many meltdowns, there's so many tantrums. There's a few things that tend to work straight away. And one of them is, one of them is, you know, when you're in those moments as parents, we tend to lean into verbal language. Okay. We want to change our child's mind. We want to have them see a different perspective, a consequence, maybe see, see my point of view, little one, see your sister's point of view, little one, but they cannot. So they don't have access to that part of the brain yet. Only emotion. Okay, so they don't want to hear your language. They don't have access to the language center of the brain in those moments, if at all, depending on their age. So you speaking at them, persuading them to see things differently or change their mind about the emotion that they're feeling is only going to further escalate the scenario. You imagine that roller coaster ride ticking up, up, up until you drop. That's exactly what's going on when we don't remove our language. So limit language, limit, limit, limit. This will alter everything. Um, And this is a hard habit to change. I've had many parents say, geez, Jess, I tried, but I've got a long way to go. Like I just want, I feel like I have to talk to them. That's the last thing they need. So limit language. Absolutely. It's not, it's not about um, always, it's, it's about doing this stuff slowly, bringing it in slowly. We're not going to get it perfect the first time we try. Maybe we'll just hold back one sentence and that's a win. Absolutely. You mentioned your workshops before as well. I'll definitely put all of the details in these for for Jess's four day retreat that she's having coming up. Every child is so different in their ages and how they span. So I know that that specialized attention does make all of the difference. Um, And yet, so stripping it back, becoming more simple, cancel those appointments if we don't need need them. You said that was really powerful around um, saying no to things, because I think we can, we can actually teach our children how to say no to things as well. If we're that, um, that parent who says yes to every birthday party, who says yes to every outing, who we're doing this on this day, so we're teaching our kids how to not say no when they need to protect them and you hit the nail on the head all they want is calm a lot uh, environment we try to do all these things up on this on this material level this should make you happy this should show you how much of a good mum i am we're actually you i cannot believe it she said it's just scaling back it's just yeah. scaling back. And then I think your second point there was removing our language, just bringing that, bringing that language back. We don't need to have those full on. They don't, depending on their age, they don't understand what we're saying. Their brain is not processing what we're saying. It is, but nobody talks about these things. Nobody suggests these things. We suggest really complicated assessments to see if there's something wrong with the child. That's what we suggest. So these are the simple aspects that will make all of the difference. Um, and there's just, there's one other that I would highly recommend. And um, it again, it works straight away and parents had great success with it over the last week and the weekend. Um, you know, I call it the curiosity lens. So in the moments when you're feeling like there's just no connection with your child, they're not listening to you or there's a meltdown or there's some sort of conflict. If we can reduce the language for one, but instead 
replace that judgmental lens with the curious lens. So it could be a curious question. It could be a curious tone of voice. It could be a curious, uh, it could be curious in your body language. So curious in your internal dialogue, because there's always a reason behind the behavior in that present moment. But we chop, we chop ourselves off at the knees in finding that reason if we have our judgmental lens on. So if you want answers, the curiosity lens will alter your world. Ask your child curious questions, ask yourself curious questions, and you'll find that they start to open up a little more because they feel safe to do so. They know that, okay, maybe I won't get in trouble this time if I say what I really think. It feels a little safer at the moment. So if we can do that over and over again, then we, we limit the chaos because we can get to the core needs straight away. Our child can tell us what's wrong straight away or, or a lot faster than before. So you combine those aspects and uh, you will see and you'll feel a whole lot different in your home with your children, but with the dynamic as well. Oh, absolutely. And it's so fascinating because I'm just, I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm thinking about how I can actually apply it to situations that I feel frustrated in, in my life, switch from the judgmental lens. And it is hard. It is hard when we're in this, in this, in this pattern day in, day out, we've got the same thing, the pressures, we're exhausted. It is hard to come around that corner instead of a judgment lens, um, which I know I'm guilty of in my own life with other adults. Yeah, so, you don't have to have kids to practice this, right? You practice yeah. it. I mean, you practice it with your husbands, your wives, your partners. You, I mean, practice it with everybody because it creeps in there. It's everywhere. Absolutely. Oh, Jess, this is absolutely incredible. I love that. And definitely so important to come from that curiosity lens with everything, because there is, as you really outlined at the beginning, there is really that nervous system in there that is that you need to be directly speaking to and opening that space up. So it's a safe place. And I know, I know, even with two puppies, I'm still like, um, my mind as well, our minds are dispossessed to go straight to the negative we're always looking for the negative instead of looking through the negative or assuming negative bias if we then assume curiosity bias come in that back door and say well what's going on here for you you know and even down to the littlest things you know it's absolutely fascinating Jess I'm Absolutely astounding. So Jessica McElveen from the Happy Home Movement with some wonderful tips for us here today, guys. I really hope you enjoyed listening. As I mentioned as well, Jess, do you want to talk us a bit about your retreat coming up, your workshops that you do? Yeah, so there'll be some in-person workshops and, um, and events coming up in Brisbane, I would say. So that'll, we're looking at that probably in the next few months. Um, and there's always online events that I'm running. So, um, you know, I have a Facebook group where it's, it's, you know, three or four times a month, I'm in there doing different events and different guest speakers and things. So I'll, I'll give the link to, to you, Erina, but it's the Parent Support Collective. Come on in. Uh, it's a great community. And uh, that's one of the ways that you can stay in on board with the dates of events and things. Absolutely. And a tr- retreats are happening throughout the year. They're very unique. They're um, mainly around not doing anything that you don't want to do as a mum. So it's really, there's no expectation. I'm not there telling you what to do. You're actually there doing whatever 
you want in the moment. And really for a night or two, that's exactly what you want and need. So those events happen a few times in the year as well. Parent support collective. So if it's that one small thing that you can do today, that little one small thing, you know, we don't, this all doesn't come down, come onto us at once, but the one small thing you can do today is pop over there, join Jess's group and, um, and yeah, start to let some of this stuff funnel over you. And Jess, I just want to extend all of the gratitude in my heart for you coming on here and sharing those incredible tips and, um, and yeah, look forward to part two. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's been so nice. Thank you for listening. If you need any additional support whatsoever, jump over to bloomwomen.com.au. We also have a free beginners course and you can access this at bloomwomen.com.au forward slash free beginner course. Just remember that if we do what we've always done, we're going to get what we've always gotten. I'll see you guys soon.